You're listening to Builder Funnel Radio. This is the Building a Family Business Show with Wes and Brooks Powell. Let's dive in. The Powell family construction business has been around for over 110 years. Over that time, it's evolved and been through four generations of the Powell family. What started as a new construction business building spec homes in the Seattle area evolved to building communities, remodeling, building custom homes, and then getting involved with property management. Today, the business currently owns and operates two retirement and assisted living facilities, several apartment buildings, and does third-party property management in the Seattle area with about 750 total doors under management. Over the last several decades, Wes and Brooks have seen it all when it comes to business evolution, family dynamics in the construction industry. This is the show where I work to extract their knowledge and experiences to help you navigate family dynamics, among other things, in your construction business. Let's dive into the show. Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to talk to you about BuildBook, who in addition to sponsoring this episode, they've developed a program to help all of you during this extremely difficult time. If you don't know what they do, they offer a tool that funnels all the conversations and decisions that occur between you, your team, and your client before, during, and after projects into one place and made it dead simple to use. They've taken something that is chaotic for most of you, like staying on top of all the messages you're getting over text, phone calls, job site conversations, you name it, and brought it into one channel that's simple for anyone on your team to use. Look, I don't need to tell you guys this, but good, clear communication with your clients and team is more critical now than it has ever been. BuildBook knows how important this is for you as well, but also knows the strain this crisis is having on your business. So they're offering their software to you for free. Yes, you heard that correctly. To help you get through this unprecedented time, BuildBook has put together a program to provide you with some free resources, including their software. It's an amazing opportunity that I strongly encourage you to take advantage of. So hit pause right now and text BUILDBOOK to 33777. That's one word, BUILDBOOK. They'll immediately send you a link that brings you directly to the page to sign up. There are no strings attached. It's just their way of doing what they can to support your business. So go ahead and hit pause and text BUILDBOOK, one word, to 33777 to get your free account. All right, let's dive into today's show. Hey, guys, welcome back to Building a Family Business here on Builder Funnel Radio. This is episode six. I'm with Wes and Brooks, and uh, I don't know, this episode will be be a fun one. We've all got the... uh, uh, the, the laughs, I guess, but, uh, <laughs> um, anyways, welcome guys. <laughs> Thanks, Spence. Thank you, Spence. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, um, what are you guys reading these days? Well, I've been reading, still reading factfulness. Um, and I'm finding that really enjoyable. The first, in the very front, they have 13 questions they ask you. So they're trying to test you. If you, you know, you have your great facts or do you understand what the facts are? So I was excited. I got 10 correct out of the 13 questions. So oh, nice. That's that probably like, like a, a B plus or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with B plus. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, and question one was what's your name? So yeah. <laughs> I missed that one, but yeah. you know, I got some of the others. That's one opportunity for improvement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wes, how about you? Uh, right now, well, I just finished reading Atomic Habits by James Clear. I, I really enjoyed it. I read other habit books and stuff, but it, it is really a good one. And uh, so highly recommend. Any yeah. habits you're going to break? Any bad habits? I got lots of bad habits. Uh, 
but those are what keep me warm at night, you know, <laughs> wrap my bad habits around me. <laughs> keep you safe. Yeah, exactly right. Feel well, good. Yeah. Was, uh, coffee drinking, so I love coffee, so that's, that's good. What? I know. Wow. I switched. I switched to beer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, wow. no, I, I switched yeah. from beer to, uh, to tea. Right now, I'm having a delicious um, caramel apple, apple delight tea herbal tea by whoever makes all that tea <laughs> all that tea up in, up all in the Boulder, tea. up in Boulder. the one tea company that the makes one, all yeah. the tea. essential seasonings yes celestial <laughs> seasonings up in Boulder. Seasonings. there you go yeah, and another sidebar would just be that's a great tour if you ever go to boulder take the celestial seasonings tour of their factory it's pretty cool there you go there you go well we uh you know i guess whenever this releases, we're in the midst of, you know, stay at home orders. So uh, whenever we can make it out to Boulder, we will get out. Well, that's right. I was just assuming that these, the tour would happen in happier times. Ah, yes. Yeah. yeah, We actually just finished up reading uh, Atomic Habits as a team here at Builder Funnel as well. Oh, did you really? Oh, good. Yeah. So yeah. Did any, surprisingly, we hadn't talked about that, but uh, Did any action items come out of it for people or did you guys take it that next step for or no? Yeah, a lot of people are um, kind of working on just individual things. So as we work through the book, people will share, you know, oh, I'm trying to layer in this habit or I'm trying to, you know, get rid of this habit. And uh, yeah, it's cool to see because he has some good strategies in there and, and tactics around either adding or removing habits. Right. And um, yeah, it's interesting uh, just things as simple as changing your environment and how powerful that can be. And right. You know, sure. Right. Making something more difficult, just making it difficult to execute your bad habit, whatever. That yeah. Like taking the batteries out of your TV remote and putting them across the room, you plop down and then you're like, Oh, and even just that simple, like, I don't want to get up. Then you might like grab a book or do something different, you know, then. Or, um, or like uh, putting your Hershey chocolate bars inside a time lock safe. That you can only access between 11 and 12 at night. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you can you can I go know, to yeah. that extreme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not that we're talking about anything specific, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good specific strategy. Yeah, to you so. happen to be a Hershey chocolate bar fanatic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have found though just the simple act of removing those things from the house. Uh, I haven't had that's to right. put safe yet so <laughs> yeah no you're right i mean that's it's as simple as not bringing it into the house most of the time just oh okay fine yeah not and i find so, not for you no <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's why the stay, stay at home order is tough for brooks because he can't run out and pick up whatever it was that was missing in the house <laughs> exactly right if it's missing in the house i know where to go get it yeah, yeah. i will yeah <laughs> yeah well uh well today we were gonna talk about habits really no we're actually going to shift gears and and talk about something else although that may be a good uh session for a later date but um really in thinking about the balancing the relationship that you have with a family member at work and also at home you know because when you're in family business there's a lot of blending there's a lot of overlap there's times when you're together working on you know you're in one environment or another and so um yeah, I kind of wanted to dig into that. And I know kind of the early days of the business, you know, you guys were working together and also um, your brother, Todd. Um, but Wes, what did that look like as you guys were all, um, you know, in the business, you know, all day long, but then you're probably also 
hang out after when you're doing other stuff or going water skiing and that sort of thing. So sure. Yeah. What did that look like for you guys? Well, I think it's interesting when I saw that you wanted to talk about this particular topic and I was thinking about some of those early days and I would have to say, and Brooks may differ wildly on this point, most likely he will, but I thought that we got along really, really well. Um, And I think mostly it's just because we stayed out of each other's lane and it may have just been the way that we developed. So when I started building, I was in charge of everything, right? So land acquisition, financing, setting the specs for the house, uh, you know, bidding it out, on-site supervision, marketing, warranty, all of those things. So soup to nuts. So when Brooks came along and five years later, four or five years later, and entered into the business, you know, I immediately turned to Brooks and said, here, you know, and I gave him the thing I really hated the most, <laughs> which was was basically on-site supervision. And it was also the biggest chunk of time, you know, a huge chunk of time. So Brooks jumped in and he took that over, that piece, and I stuck with those other things. And I think, I know, Brooks, were you doing specs as well, or is it just, no, I think I was doing specs, you're doing on-site supervision, warranty, um, doing yeah, I was, yeah, I was doing on. So I was running I was, as a superintendent. I was running the jobs. Yeah, right. So you would hand me a specification package for that house and say, "Hey, here's the plan. Here's the permit. You know, there you go. go. Town. Here's a customer we've sold it to. We don't really know what they're buying, but go ahead and make sure you get that all done right. And uh, yeah, exactly. I was a little, fam- so good luck I was a little famous for that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but then two years later. Uh, Todd came along and then Todd took over for Brooks and he did all the on-site supervision and warranty work. And that was, it, it, you know, part of the way this stuff works is can everyone find a place where they're really well-suited? And so Todd came into that role and he was really well-suited for on-site supervision, you yeah. know, uh, just really good at that. In fact, that's the lane that he stayed in really between warranty and estimating and, on-site supervision for the rest of his career, really, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and very very good at it. So then I simply uh, handed off more of my stuff to Brooks. So Brooks took over marketing. Um, what else did you take over, Brooks? Because mostly sales and marketing. Um, yeah. You still handle land acquisition, right? And um, but as the company grew, that just that took up more. You took you had land acquisition, permitting, and really. Uh, making sure the deal's closed. So even though I worked on the sales and marketing side, it, you know, you were heavily involved in, hey, making sure these get closed for cash flow. And you and you ran the rest, you ran the business operations. So you handled all the accounting people and you know cash flow and, and financing. Right. Still handle the financing piece. Um, so but that seemed to work pretty well. And as Brooks mentioned, you know, as as the size of your business grows, there's more to do in each category. But generally, we didn't really get into anybody else's category. No one, no one wanted to do that. Uh, didn't feel comfortable doing it, um, and so it worked pretty well. I thought. Um, yeah, no, it did. Yeah, it yeah. Did. And then, then when I exited, uh, Brooks simply stepped into the roles of all the things that I was doing, and you know, he really had to to do all of the stuff that he was doing plus the things that I was doing. So you know, super big role there. It, you know, one of the things that is in, you know, Todd and I experienced this in the you know, latter half of our career, which was 
we, as partners, we just, so we're brothers and we're partners. I'm the older brother. He's the younger brother. You know, he handled all, it's all things related to production, everything we produce. And I handled every, everything else. Um, and the workloads were similar. A lot of times production was a heavier load than the work I was, I was doing. Um, but neither of us had any interest in the other person's space. And that really, that makes a big difference because if someone really wants to be over in the other person's space, I think that's where the conflict comes. So as in a family business, if you have siblings working together or cousins working together, I mean, we, you see where you have two brothers or partners and then they have their children come into the business. So now cousins are interacting and there could be, you know, that there could be, they could be similar in age, they could be similar in, in expertise, or they could have a, a spread. They could be 10 years apart. Um, and if there's not clearly defined roles, then you can get people bumping into each other, which then can create conflict. It creates conflict amongst the people working together and then creates conflict amongst if their parents are still partners that, you know, you can have, I've, I've, we had a, a local asphalt business that, that broke up, not because the brothers didn't get along, but because their two sons working in the business did not get along. And then the brothers did not get along. Because, oh wow! Because yeah. they, they had to go down, they had to up, yeah. and it ended up falling along lines of, you know, I'm going to back up my son, and so then the two brothers who got along famously for 30 years, you know, it came apart over that. So it's it's def I think it's going back to defining the roles early on, so that people know where they're supposed to be. And then lots of communication. It goes back to, you know, we talked about it before, communication, communication, like, you know, why is this not working? And why I think that's a good point, Brooks, because if you think about before we actually started building officially together full time, we had already spent a number of summers working together uh, along with our sisters, building a few houses each summer. So we already knew how to work together and we kind of knew how we, we fit together. And so I think that was pretty invaluable. I don't, I don't think we thought about it at the time, but it yeah, was helpful. But if you throw a couple of people together who have never worked together, have no idea what someone else's work habits, work ethic, um, how they view the world. So, and I think that's an important thing. How do you view the world? If you all view the world the same, now your worldview may be incorrect, but if you all view it the same, then you're going to get along and you're going to push along pretty well towards your goals. But if, if you don't, then you're setting yourself up for some serious problems if you can't negotiate your way through that. Yeah. And I think um, one thing that you guys were talking about there was just defining the roles. Um, but Brooks, I, I feel like there's also got to be a certain level of trust, you know, there too, because you said like, you didn't want to be doing what Todd was doing. He didn't want to be doing what you were doing. So even if you don't want to be playing in his space, there still has to be, I would imagine, a level of trust that it's getting executed in a way that it should um, yeah, versus I, you yeah, know, no, I, just saying, oh, we're both going to play in these two different areas and then just going, well, we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that the was one of the strong points, I think, of having a family business is that ability to ultimately, not ultimately, but having ultimate trust in who you're working with. I mean, I, I would trust Todd, you know, and, or Wes, you know, with all my money, I just, because I know they would watch out for me and 
you know, I come out with more money at the end of the day than I, you know, I wouldn't. So, so that's the kind of trust that I have in Todd. It's like, Hey, I may not agree with everything he's doing out in the field. I might do it differently, but the flip side is he doesn't agree with everything I'm doing, you know, on the financing side or other things. So, but we trusted, Hey, the other person's got my best interest at heart. And so that can work whether you're related or whether you're not related. For sure. I, I think it can be a stronger bond, you know, in a family relationship, you know, between, I think, you know, easier probably between siblings, um, or maybe between a, a parent child, you know, depending on that relationship, um, maybe harder on a cousin level, maybe because they're not raised in the same household. But I mean, I gotta believe you, hopefully you can trust your sibling or your parent or your cousin as much or more than anybody else. Yeah, I think it probably in the best, in the best situation of family business, everyone understands what everyone else's weaknesses are and they're okay with it. You know, so um, I might be weak in a particular, you know, aspect. Well, the guys, you know, <laughs> Brooks and Todd had to deal with <laughs> a number of things that I was notoriously weak in, you know, so uh, I had a tendency to want to drive by lots and just observe them from the street and, uh, and then buy them. So, <laughs> <laughs> They, they would, you know, dub those as a drive-by lot. And uh, and we had a few of those that did not work out well. We had some other ones that worked out famously, but they didn't kill me over it. You know, they, they kind of, they knew I was busy and, and trying to get enough lots in the system and they were okay with it. And likewise, you know, there's areas that probably, you know, they weren't superb at either in certain aspects. And, and uh, you know, you roll with it and you go, yeah, okay, but look at all this other stuff that's great. And we're just going to backstop that person in that particular area, or we'll, we'll make that work. Because it's more important in that situation, it's a family member. So it's more important to try to figure out that situation. So it's a benefit for the family and the family business versus, well, this person we hired is not the right person for the job. So, you know, we need to make a change. If they're not related, then that's a change you can make. And, you're not going to see him at Christmas. Um, I will say though, that probably only works if the, if the family members, you know, their weaknesses are only like 10% out of their total performance. You know, if it's a flip of that, then it's a train wreck. And then you're trying to figure out how to separate that person from the business and still keep your family relationship. Yeah. I didn't want to to make that point, which is the, the things I disagreed with, with Todd in the field were not such that we would not make money and we'd go out of business and vice versa. What he disagreed with me were not things that would put us out of business. So I, you have to go back to the beginning. If you, as you know, if you're in a situation where you are already have family members in the business, which is pretty typical. I mean, you just, it just evolves that way. So, you know, a lot of our listeners might be, well, I've already got my brother in the business or my sister, or I've got multiple family members in the business. Again, it's, I think it's, sitting down and starting to talk through, Hey, are you even happy doing this right now? You know, is it, you know, is this, is, is it, you know, and which, you know, is, can be challenging because you're opening up a lot of stuff for discussion, which maybe has kind of been there for years and well, we really don't want to talk about it. And sometimes, you know, it's not worth it. You just kind of, you know, figure out how to work, work your way through it. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, people move on of their own volition. So yeah, Sometimes more da- the communication, depending on where you are in the dynamic, 
can be more damaging. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious too, just because you mentioned, you know, Christmas, but like when the three of you were all working together and maybe, you know, you had a drive by lot situation where, you know, the other two guys are like, uh, you know, did, did any, and I'm just using that as an example, but was there any times where something not so great happened or you guys encountered a challenge on the business side, but then when you were doing something outside of work, it started to creep in or did you guys just draw a line or, you know, I'm curious how that all kind of evolved or played out. And I, I don't feel like that really ever happened. I, I, no, I don't think I, so. I, I think when times were tough and I was thinking about that a little while ago, you know, there are definitely times in our working career together where times were tough, you know, we had a good run and then the market would fall out. In fact, we had a, a notable one where it was like one summer, sales were going great and somewhere in the middle of July, bang, everything just dried up, no sales. And um, for quite some period of time, we had a lot of inventory sitting around. So those times are a little tougher because you're trying to manage cash flow and everything. But I think generally the goal was, hey, everyone's going to hop in and figure, we're going to figure out something. So, you know, we did some things that maybe weren't so great, like cut salaries. And uh, we also did things like, well, let's get together on the weekend and let's go build decks on our own houses so we don't have to pay a subcontractor to do that. We can all make some more money to augment our income. So we're looking for more collaborative solutions maybe to our business problems. But I don't know. Brooks, do you, did you ever feel well, like that? No, it's interesting in thinking about that question, which is when you work, you know, when you work together all day, you know, you have to work really hard to, you know, are we going to play together? Are we going to, you know, do some fun things? Because, you know, I would say for Todd and I, at the end of our career, we were, you know, worked together for 32 years, partners for 17. You know, by the time, you know, the end of our career, we weren't recreating a lot together because we were working together so much and it was so intensive. And we went through a 2008 to 2018, which are just a tough 10 years, you know, the first six years being abysmal and the last four being, you know, good. But um, so we actually had to make an effort to get together, you know, and do stuff together outside of work. Um, otherwise we're just working. And so that's, that's why you, you have to make time to do that. But, you know, besides a Christmas holiday or, a, you know, I would, you know, we started doing things like we would go, out to see a play or see a show or do something, go out to dinner and just shoot the breeze. And, you know, it got to the point where the, when we get together for a meeting, you know, if it's a, a monthly management meeting or something like that, you know, we start out with, Hey, what are the kids up to? What are you guys doing? You know, what, what do you got on the board for vacation? So trying to lighten that up. But I would say we, we very heavily went to the, you know, 99% was work and very little, uh, was, you know, recreating together. Whereas when we started 30 years earlier, it was, yeah, we worked all day, but then you go do fun stuff on the weekend or whatever, but it became less so as time went on and as, as your family responsibilities grew. And But Brooks, how do you think that has uh, morphed, if at all, since you guys have retired? Well, well, now we're getting back to just doing stuff, you know, fun stuff together, you know, so going doing different activities, you know, going mountain biking or things like getting together the two couples for dinner and, and doing things like that. We're taking a trip together. So that's, it was coming back to that. Um, but definitely without, 
I guess the point is without intention, right? Stuff doesn't happen. So it's coming back to that being intentional about everything you do. I mean, in your business, being intentional in your business and being intentional about your, your relationships. I'm going to give you a little, well, actually a big piece of insight that most construction companies don't even realize. Nearly all of the problems you encounter in your projects and business have one thing in common, communication or lack thereof. Think about the last time a project went sideways. I'm guessing if you traced it back to its source, it had something to do with a missed or miscommunication. In fact, 72% of client unhappiness is directly attributed to poor communication during projects. Needless to say, good communication needs to be a priority in your business, and that's especially true with everything that's happening around us today. BuildBook has created a simple solution that makes communicating with your clients and team incredibly easy so nothing slips through the cracks. And as a reminder, they've also made it 100% free for you to use during this uncertain climate we're currently in. So hit pause right now and text BUILDBOOK, one word, to 33777, and they'll send you a link to sign up. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, I think um, that's an interesting insight that you, because, I mean, I think all of us have a tendency to emphasize the work part of it, you know, especially. Um, it's easy to talk about that stuff when you're just hanging out, you know, because it's like, oh, we can, you know. Well, one, you're typically excited about it or you're trying to problem solve or you're trying, you know, whatever. And so yeah. if you have more quote unquote downtime away from the office, you feel like you're still progressing or, you know, you know, that sort of thing. So I think your point of just saying, Hey, commit to putting some other things on the calendar um, that are non-work related or like having some parts of meetings that are dedicated to just catch up time. And to your point to kind of lighten the mood or just, change it so it's not a hundred percent work and you can change that balance. Yeah. I've met a lot of family businesses like that where it's just like, Hey, you know, sure. cause you tend to be hardworking and you're just jumping in you're like, well, yeah. we got stuff to do. <laughs> well, I would say it got, it got more better, got more better, but it got better when uh, our spouses came into the business during the recession where we were just shorthanded. So it was all hands on deck and both Julie, uh, Todd's wife and Heather, my wife were, you know, by nature, pretty social. And so we get together for a steering meeting and we even do it to this day. We have our monthly steering meeting. First 30 minutes of that meeting, we're just catching up. You know, Todd and I are sitting there tapping our fingers on the desk, like, Hey, when are we going to start this meeting? You know? <laughs> so we've had to retrain ourselves to like, Hey, we're going to catch up, you know, socialize, connect at that level. And then we'll, we'll get onto the work stuff. And that, that then creates that basis for a better relationship because you're connecting on, on multiple levels. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And, and this, like we've been talking a lot about the sibling relationship, you know, you guys are all brothers. And I think when I think about my relationship with my siblings and especially my brother and some of the activities we did, did together, I think there is not always, but oftentimes you have a closer connection for whatever reason. And you, you can communicate really effectively because you grew up together. You, like you guys said earlier, you know a lot of these things about the other person, how they react to situations, how they communicate, 
what kind of pushes their buttons. So if you're working in business, you're like, I'm not going to push those buttons because we're working on the same team here. Or I am going to push their buttons. Yeah, or you are, yeah. But <laughs> you can make that decision, right? You know? <laughs> hey, moms, watch this. <laughs> Put this guy in orbit. but i think it changes a little bit when you don't have that level of familiarity you know and so wes i know when you came out to buy the business from jerry i'm curious did you like what differences did you see in that kind of communication both like in the work environment but then outside the work environment versus what you had with brooks and todd Sure. Yeah. Good question. And so for our listeners, Jerry is my father-in-law. And so I bought his, uh, my in-laws direct mail business. So, um, had no experience at all with direct mail. All my background is in building. I've done it for a lot of years. And so really knew nothing about this and, and moved across halfway across the country to do it. So, uh, Jerry's style was very different than family style that I was used to. And so that did take some adjustment for me. So he was very, um, a man of few words. And so he really said, you know, I came in, I handed him a check and he goes, great. Uh, thank you very much. And so why don't you go figure out something to do, you know? And so, <laughs> I mean, and, and it was just like saying, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to let you have free reign to figure out this business, figure out how it runs, what needs to happen. And so he was very gracious that way. And I really hopped in and, and observed for a period of time. And, and then I was able to go ahead and start working on different projects to improve the business. So um, I, will, I will say that because he was very reticent to give me a lot of feedback, there's probably more feedback that he could have given me that would have been helpful to me in learning the business and taking it over. But I think he was concerned about stepping on my toes. Um, so it was definitely a different communication style, but we did develop a very strong relationship over the years and to the point of, you know, family first, you know, now that, you know, he retired, bought the business, he retired, now I've retired and sold the business. And um, we have a very strong relationship and I consider that to be an important one out of all my family relationships. So let's get together for breakfast once a week. Let's, let's talk and catch up. We don't talk about anything at all related to the business that we once owned together. Uh, and that I owned, um, for a lot of years. And that was his baby. You know, he loved that business. I mean, he just nurtured that business and grew that business. And now it's like, no, you know, that that's really not the important thing anymore. And so it never comes up don't talk about the industry at all. So it's just, it's just kind of interesting as I think back over that progression of, of that relationship. So, and I would still say, you know, the family is the important relationship over the business relationship in most cases, unless it's a toxic relationship and it takes your business down and harms a lot of people. Uh, that certainly wasn't the case here. So wouldn't apply. But. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And so it sounds like, yeah, there's, definitely a shift in style and it sounds like you kind of just adapted to learning that style uh, in terms of how you communicated just because it was so so different from what I did yeah I just adapted to his style really and and I'm a fairly adaptable person that way that's more just my personality so I'm adapt um, so I can work with that person and uh, and so that worked pretty well yeah and then I know Brooks you had mentioned 
obviously at one point, um, you and Todd, both of your wives came into the business and then, uh, Wes, um, your wife, my mother, for everybody listening, drawing all the lines and, and connections, you guys obviously worked together and, um, had to make different decisions. I guess I'm curious, um, cause we could go a lot of directions with this, but like that specific relationship, how do you keep that relationship, you know, healthier, you know, uh, upbeat when things are tough because you're navigating all these decisions, you know, that, um, people have different risk profiles, stuff we've talked about in previous episodes. So Brooks, maybe we'll, we'll start with you, but like, are there any tangible things that you guys like you intentionally did to say, Hey, we're going through these tough times, but here's like some ground rules or here's how we want to communicate. Or was it just, you felt your way through it or. I think we, it, it, we felt our way through it um, because it was such a fire drill. You know, we went from Todd and I running the business on our own, really determining all, all aspects of the business to, Oh, this business is on the rocks and Julie and Heather coming into the business, Heather on the accounting side and the, and the cash flow side, Julie on the design side. And all of a sudden we now had a business with four people in it. And so Todd and I had to adapt to being, you know, I like to be King all day long and, uh, <laughs> and be in charge. And so all of a sudden we're, we have now four owners um, that have input. So we had to, we adapted by having a weekly steering meeting. So we just got the four of us in the room. We had a set agenda and we said, Hey, what should be on this agenda? Well, we know cash flow needs to be on this agenda. We know accounts receivable needs to be on this agenda. You know, so the things that were going to keep the business alive and that agenda has changed over the years. Um, and we went from, uh, you know, almost meeting daily because we were in crisis mode in 09 and 10 and 11 to meeting weekly and then meeting monthly. But when we were running the business, we met weekly diligently and we went through that agenda and we had miscellaneous items we could add to that. Um, you know, we had employee, you know, employees was another thing on the agenda. You're talking about, you know, how's everybody's employees if they're reporting to them, you know, any, so any of the things that were critical to the business were on that agenda. So we as owners had to deal with that together. And because in construction, you're taking a lot of risk and you're personally guaranteeing a lot of debt. Um, we would bring, then we began to bring deals to the, that meeting and say, Hey, here's this land deal. What do people think? We'd go out, take a tour of it, you know, and if someone in the group didn't like it, we didn't do it. So we did, we, we really operated by consensus. It wasn't like a vote where, well, you know, three to four, sorry, you know, you're out. So we, we worked our way through, but we really operated by consensus. And if someone wasn't comfortable with doing something, then we didn't do it. And everybody was willing to do that because, probably the, you know, because of that family connection, because it's like, Hey, more important that we get along, you know, we'll make, we'll make as much money somewhere else. We don't have to do every deal. So, you know, no one, you know, died for their cause or something like that. So that's how we incorporated, you know, new, new ownership or new in, inputs because we had two new business owners who had been pretty silent up until now. who are now like, Hey, um, you know, the outcome of this affects my, uh, my financial well-being. So I'm really interested and I'm in here 
you know, I'm in here swinging. Yeah. I guess we should use that consensus thing on our drive-by lots. <laughs> well, you know, and that's the thing where we, we might have been, it might have been a good idea, but then I don't think, you know, you, you bring up a good point, which is at the end of the day, that worked for us uh, because we had worked together for so long. Uh, but Wes, I would say, really, you know, in a business, someone's got to be in charge. Absolutely. I, I would agree I with that, that, that point. So I think that we, did, we did have some times where we, you know, we operated by consensus with you and I and, and Todd and our dad. And it, I don't think it worked. I think, you know, somebody, somebody's got to be in charge. And, you know, if, if you've got the title of president or you're running the company, then you call the shots until someone takes you out. And um, I think it's just the way it is or the way I think it's the way it should be. And then you can operate. Well, ultimately, the- someone does have to make a decision. And yep. it, it, it would be very, very difficult to consistently make excellent decisions uh, with total consensus because I and, think. And I don't think we made, I don't think we made excellent decisions all the time. And I'm not disagreeing sure. with someone else's opinion. I mean, I think probably by consensus, we were saved from making some bad decisions. That would be the yeah. point. Yeah. You yes. can save yourself from bad decisions, but you wouldn't we also miss, decisions. We missed some, probably some great opportunities, sure. um, but you know, that's 2020 hindsight. So I still, I, but I, but I, I probably a strong believer in that someone's got to be in charge. Someone's got to call the shots and they're getting paid the big bucks to be right or wrong. And if they're wrong, they're going to get, they're going to get fired you know, or their business is going to go out of business. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that because it made me think I, there's been a number of times over the years where I asked for input from the whole team on different things, some small, some big, you know, but like you go into it thinking whatever you're thinking already, like, oh, I'm going to decide X. And then you get all these different viewpoints. And you're like, well, now we're never going to make a decision. So you end up just making the decision anyway. Yeah, but you get some input, point. which is helpful. And sometimes it might change your decision. But I think that highlights your point of like, somebody's got to call the shot, you know, at the end of the day. And, and there may be scenarios where you really can operate uh, where it's that consensus format, but it's probably got to be the, the really the right situation in a, you know, a certain scenario for that to play out and maybe not a long-term solution. Well, but I, you know, I think the, the, it goes back to, and we touched on a little bit in previous episodes about equity, you know, who's got the most at risk. Sure. And I, I believe if whoever's got the most at risk gets to call the shots. And so I think that's where you can get uh, disagreements. If you, if you're transitioning ownership from, you know, the, from a parent to an adult child and you've given all the control to the adult child, yet the parent still has all the risk because you haven't done, you know, there hasn't been a buyout or something like that. You're going to get friction there. Um, so it's, it, you know, there has to be a good transition of equity, ownership, and control. So whoever's making those final decisions, it's their money on the line. It's not somebody else's. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. But I do agree with the idea of getting input. Absolutely. Because if everyone has their input into that, yeah. and they know ultimately you are going to make that decision, but at least they've had their say. Absolutely. Then yeah then that's fair. And I think everyone feels okay about that on the team. And then it's much easier for everyone to coalesce behind whatever the ultimate decision is. Yeah. You come back and say, Hey, I took everybody's input. I recognize that this isn't going to agree with everybody, 
but this is why I did it. Ultimately, I have to go and make this call, and I'm going to make it. And everyone go, okay, yeah, I can get behind that. Sure, totally agree with that. Yeah, getting input's great. It just it's it's setting the expectation with people you're getting input from, which is, hey, I'm looking for input. I know I've got to make this tough decision. I'd like to hear what you think. Yeah, it's yeah. not a democracy. So, it's not right. a democracy. No. Yeah. So I, I'm interested, um, Wes, to hear from you in working with um, your wife, Karen. Um, how did you guys take a similar approach with business decisions? Because it sounded like with Brooks and Todd, like you guys kind of made all the decisions for a while, hit the, the recession, then your wives came into the business, and then you kind of operated via consensus for a while in that work because it seemed like you probably were operating on the low lowest risk you know decision if somebody was like oh let's not do that that might have been avoiding some risk and so you wouldn't but Wes how did that play out for you you know how did you guys make decisions when there were tough decisions to be made yeah uh, good question and we're 50 50 right so 50 50 owners of the business uh, my role generally over the years was just, you know, I was running the business. I was in the business. I was in the office every day. And Karen's role was handling uh, HR, oversight of HR and payroll, things like that. So, um, which was more of a part-time position, um, but allowed us to keep track of, of any issues that happened there. So I would say when, when times were good, we just rolled right along and I was, I made the decisions and uh, when times got hard in the great recession, I definitely started turning more and more uh, to Karen to get more input. Obviously, whenever you're in a tough situation going, Oh, I, I need somebody to talk to and let's talk about this. And so, you know, that's what you talk about. Um, I think we never really had any conflict over decisions that were made. I always felt like I would make the decision because as Brooks said, you know, you, you, whatever your title is, in that case, I was president. Um, so I was going to make those decisions. I think there are times when I could have done a better job probably of listening. And certainly, you know, sometimes I didn't always hear the message that Karen was, was delivering, uh, especially around HR issues and everything. And so uh, if I had been a better listener, we probably would have avoided, you know, some few issues over the years. Um, none of them catastrophic or anything like that, but just, you know, okay, well, I could have, I could have dodged that one uh, if I had been a better listener. And Karen, to her credit, never came back and said, oh, I told you so. (laughs) 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 She's always very gracious about it. She she more would say, you know, I should have spoken up a little bit louder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Next time. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I get that. I appreciate that. But it's probably. She walks out with a bullhorn. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Attention all swimmers out of the ocean. (laughs) So, uh, but we really didn't have any conflicts. And I think also one thing I was going to recommend for people that work in a family business is go ahead and do some sort of, uh, not personality profiling, but behavioral or style profiling. I would yeah. recommend DISC. There's also uh, Myers-Briggs. I just happen to be more familiar with the DISC profiling system. And certainly we did that at our all of our companies. Brooks has done it at his. Do it at our current company that we work at and work together at. So what it does is it helps you understand how people behave in particular situations or what makes them comfortable around decision-making communication. So in this case, uh, 
if, if you have some people that, that have different styles, you can adapt to their style in communicating with them. Um, but in the case uh, for us, Karen is not what is called a high D, where someone who wants to make all the decisions. So Brooks, I don't think I'm speaking out of school here, is a high D and wants to make all the decisions. And like he said, you know, someone has to be king and he wants to be king. Um, so that's cool because he's in the king role. So that that's pretty helpful. What's what's less easy to deal with is if you have that reversed in your company and you have someone who's a high D who wants to be making all the decisions. And then you have someone maybe in the leadership role that's, uh, I don't know, maybe a, uh, a high C, which would be somebody who likes to really get things exactly right and check all the boxes, may have trouble making a decision. And all of a sudden you could have some conflict unless they understand that about each other and can help uh, bridge the gap between their two styles. So I think everyone should go out and get disc profiling done. You know, I, I, think, it's first, I think it's one of the first things you should, you know, you should do. You know, if you're just yeah. you're, you got your company going and you're like, it's kind of working, we're making money, but I'm trying to get better at it, trying to be a better business owner or business or, you know, even if you're not the owner and you're listening and you're like, you know, who knows, you might be two or three steps down or who knows where you are, just your own understanding of that, of your own personality um, is great. And if you're the owner and you can say, hey, we're doing this profile, we're going to work on this for six months. The, the company's just going to work better as you start to use that understanding of personalities and how people interact. Um, so if someone is a high D and they're not in the top dog position, they can say, okay, that's not for me to make those decisions right now. So I need to, you know, I need to damp that down a little bit and I can use that energy in a different direction to do a better job of what I'm doing, but I don't need to be arguing with the person in charge because that's not my role right now. Right. And I think disc profiling can be helpful to do with your family members too, those that are not involved in the business. And um, so if everyone, it's just helpful. I mean, if, if everyone understands, you know, knowledge is always a good thing, I think. And so the more knowledge you can gain, then, uh, you know, you can get something from that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's about it on that. Yeah. And um, there's a few more questions I wanted to get to, but we may have to reserve some of them for a future episode. But there, I think there's one more thing I want to ask you guys, because as you were talking, I was thinking about it because you said when when things were just running, you know, running pretty good or normal, like you guys were just calling the shots and kind of just rolling with it. But then it was like during the tough times, and it was like, oh, hold on, like, let's get some more input. Let's talk about some things in more detail. I'm curious, would you, would you continue to operate in that fashion, you know, if you went rewound in time or would you, um, would you get more input when things are good? Or do you feel like that's just kind of the nature of it? It's like, Oh, when things get tough, we rally together. We, we problem solve, we get through it together. Uh, Brooks, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to, yeah, we, we, yeah, stayed to that, we stayed with that program. So we operated, okay. uh, and we own real estate together. The, uh, both couples now. So we operate with that same, um, the same program. So, you know, today we had our monthly steering committee, went through the PL, went through cash flow, went through any sort of capital issues, um, talked about, you know, what's going on in the economy right now, and uh, came up with our, our game plan. And then it's like, you know, again, it was an hour and a half meeting and 30 minutes was catching up. And, uh, 
and we, uh, we, but that's how we do it. I think, I think it works. I mean, for me, I mean, I like to be in charge of everything. And so I have to dial that back because I'm not in charge. You know, I are working as a team. So that's, but I think there's enough benefit from having a team that, you know, it's worth doing that. Yeah. I, I think it's a, it would be a sad thing if you don't take all the benefit that you can get out of a downturn and carry that forward into the next upturn. So if you, if you went through a downturn, you said, Oh, I changed everything around. I got all this extra input. I really, you know, everyone helped me get through this and we made it through and then times go up and times are good. And you just dump all that. Yeah. That's a way you know, that, that's foolishness. So I, I think yeah. it's just part of your natural progression. Hopefully you're just going to keep going higher and higher and higher in your ability to um, work with others and, and to use everyone to the greatest possible extent in that it's part it's part of your business systems that you're creating to create a system you know a business that has systems that allow you to be successful so you know our steering committee meeting is part of our system right yeah no i think that's well said so it was more of a an evolution and then that stayed you know as a result of going through the the challenges yeah, yeah it's definitely a positive a positive evolution and and it's just that you don't as a business owner you really don't have to carry the whole load on your back so you may set up a a kitchen cabinet with just some of other business people that you want their input. Maybe that if you're just, a, if you're a sole proprietor and there's not really going to be anybody else available to, you know, that would be another solution to do that, to get that support. Yeah. Yeah. That's good input. Well, like I said, I had a, I had a few more things, but we're, uh, we're getting to the end of our time. So we'll tackle those in a future episode. Um, and just remember too, for everybody listening, you know, as we wrap, we'd love to field questions. If you guys um, have some, family business dynamic type, uh, you know, relationships or questions going on, send them in, go ahead and use, um, the email address radio at builderfunnel.com put all caps family in the subject line and we can flag those down, but hopefully this was a good one for you guys. Um, hopefully it gave you some good insight or some tips and strategies that you can use going forward. And don't forget to leave us a review over on iTunes that helps spread the word. And we'll see you next week here on Builder Funnel Radio. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation today on building a family business. Again, we kind of talked all things, um, I guess, family dynamics in and outside the workplace. And as we were going through that conversation today, there were a few things that stood out as takeaways. And I think one is really thinking through um, how you make decisions uh, in, in good times or in bad times. We kind of talked about that where um, both Wes and Brooks had kind of learned that like going through some tough times, you pull in some people, you revamp how you make decisions and what your process looks like. And uh, they both kind of said it would be kind of a waste to throw that away. And so I think uh, that was a really good takeaway for me and thinking about how you go about operating and making those decisions, whether it's good times, bad times, uh, or indifferent. So I thought that was really good. And then two, uh, I know we've mentioned on previous episodes, but that personality profile doing that, I think that's step one, um, but really understanding, um, who you're working with, how they operate, what their risk tendencies look like, how they communicate, how they make decisions. Um, uh, and, and if you really figure those things out and then you're both staying in your own lane, or if there's three or four people in the family, if everyone's working in their specific area, then you've got a really good shot at making sure those uh, dynamics are harmonious and you have good communication and you're not 
uh, ending up in these really toxic environments. And so I think understanding people's personality profiles is a big one. Um, and then the guys have talked about it a lot, but I think that final one of just over communicating and talking about things, you know, and so that way, when you're in the business, you've got that level of communication, you've got that level of trust. And then when you're, you know, out skiing or you're getting together for holidays, then uh, you've kind of already accounted for that and tackled that uh, in the way you're operating the business. And so it seems like if you do those things, then it's not going to bleed over and negatively impact kind of the, the personal aspect of it. So uh, those are my takeaways from today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Again, don't forget to leave us a review over on iTunes and definitely send in questions. We want to hear from you. I know there's a ton of family businesses out there in the construction space. So send those over to radio at builderfunnel.com. Put family in all caps in the subject line and we will tackle those. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week on Builder Funnel Radio.